Good morning, Grace. Our passage this morning comes from the book of 1 John 4, from verse 13 to 19. And if you're using the Pew Bible this morning, it is found on page 1023. By this, we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit, and we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that the Father has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. This is the word of God. Good morning again, church. Andrew and Fortune made it easy for me to come up here with that beautiful music and the reading of God's word. We are kicking off our missions conference today. Sent is the dean for this year. The word sent is the Latin word for missio. It's where we get our word missionary from. A person sent out on mission. The mission is to reach the corners of the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. At Grace Baptist Church, advancing the gospel and making disciples all over the world is very important to us. So important to us that we have decided to give 23% of our giving funds to go straight to the mission work, the work of missions. Why would we do that? Because we know that there is nothing sweeter than the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the very power of God for salvation to all who believe. See, what would it take for some of us to leave our lives of comfort and to be sent out for global missions? See, what would it take for some of us to go across the country or across the very own states to plant a church? Or maybe God has assigned you the task of being sent right where you are. See, I don't believe that God is calling all of us to pack up our bags and move across the ocean. But I do believe that all of us have a common purpose. To be a God's work of building his kingdom. See, our brother Harry Gibber, last week, he left us with this question, where is your spot? Have you given that some thought this week? Or did the busyness of life seem to drown out the main mission of Christianity? You see, it's easy to forget what is vital to our God and to us. You see, the task of reaching the world with the gospel can be daunting. It can seem as if we have to figure it out on our own. You see, the weightiness of that mission reminds us that, hey, we don't have what it takes. 
that we lack the giftings or the abilities or the talents to be sent out. We begin to doubt the very promises of God. Let us remember what Jesus said to his disciples before he ascended up into heaven. He gave them this promise. He said, behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. What a kind promise from a sweet savior. See, why would we doubt God's promises to us? Why would we struggle to believe that he loves us and that he is actively at work inside of us, planning good for you, delighting in you? In short, why is it so difficult for us to remember that we belong to him, that we are Christians? The answer is simple. Sometimes it just doesn't look like it, does it? Because of our circumstances and our own personal sin, the very conflicts of life, they argue a different conclusion, don't they? For example, we still go through hard things, don't we? We are facing trials even today. And we, we, it's almost logical to think if, if a God who promised that, that he has all authority over heaven and earth, if he promised to us that he would be with us always until the end of the age, why won't he stop these things from happening? Or maybe you take a look at all the things you don't have. I can't be sent out because I don't have a spouse. I'm still single. I don't have any children. I'm not a good speaker, communicator. My bank account is looking pretty empty. Or worse, you start to see all the bad things you do, and you feel the guilt and the weight and the shame that comes from it. You begin to nod your head when Satan accuses you and say, maybe I'm not really a Christian at all. Because what is inside is not reflecting what's coming out. You see, brothers and sisters, what we need this morning is assurance. We need confidence. We need certainty that we abide in God and that his love remains in us. You see, the confidence of knowing who Christ Jesus is and what he has accomplished for you will give you the power and the confidence the assurance that you need to pack up your bags and go. See, the gospel has the power to send us out on mission. The title for today's sermon is Sent by Love. You see, the antidote for our doubt is not looking outward or inward, it's looking up to God. The book of 1 John was written to remind the early Christians to stay true to what they have already said they believe that they can have the confidence that they have fellowship with God, that they are partakers of the life of God, that they have union with Christ. See, God's desire for you, church, is that you may know, that you may know you have fellowship with God. That you may know that not only, not only do we have fellowship with God, but we have fellowship with one another, the very body of Christ. God wants us to know that our union with him is so deep that we begin to think what God thinks. We begin to feel what God feels. We begin to treasure what he treasures. His mission becomes our mission. See, this morning we will look at four reasons why we can know with confidence that we abide in God. Point one, our confession. We're looking at verses 14 and 15. And, and then point two, the Holy Spirit 
verse 13. And then point three, God's love for us, verses 16 and 18. And then point four, our love for others, verse 19. Point one, our confession. Take a look at verse 15. John says, who, the Bible says, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. The word confesses here means whoever acknowledges. If you acknowledge that Jesus is the Son of God, you know that you abide in God and God abides in you. The word abide simply means to remain. You remain in God. You have this union with God that nothing can separate you from. How do we know that we abide in God, that we remain in God? Is getting Jesus right. You see, one of the best missional questions or evangelistic questions that you can ask someone is, who is Jesus? Who is he? I encourage you this week to ask someone that question. Who do you think Jesus is? I'm sure you get a whole lot of interesting answers. See, John is teaching us that we can't mess up who this man is. Messing up Jesus will mess up your eternity. Do you understand the weightiness of that, the answer of that question? It will mess up uh, you having a personal relationship with the God of all creation and being drafted into his family of love, eternal security. Have you ever mistaken someone for someone else? I do it all the time. And it always happens to me as well. I can be out with my family and they be like, hey, is that, is that Shaquille O'Neal? I'm like, really? Shaq? Just this past week, I was at a restaurant and I was with my son. I was like, man, I know this guy. I went to high school with him. I know him. And he's like, Dad, won't you go say hi? I said, I think I would. I go up to him. I get closer. What, what high school you go to? He didn't say Parkdale. So I was like, oh, man, I messed up. <laughs> Sorry, man. You look familiar. I apologize. You see, it can be embarrassing, right? It can be humorous as well to make a mistake about someone's identity. But there's one person's identity that you cannot get wrong. And his name is Jesus. The stakes are much higher. When you mistake Jesus, it's more than embarrassing, it's a tragedy. When it comes to Jesus, it is much deeper than putting a name to a face. It's responding to who he is and what he has accomplished by placing your trust in him. He's not just some random guy. Too often people mistake Jesus for being just a good person, a good teacher or another prophet, but none of those descriptions are enough. This is why we send out missionaries, and God raises up families and individuals to live on mission for his glory and for his kingdom. It's because we live in a world that has no idea of who Jesus is. Does that burden you? It burdens me. They have no clue about who he is and what he has accomplished. And we live in a world that people need to get him right, desperately need to get him right. You see, once you understand that Jesus is the son of God, that he's fully man and fully God, and he's the savior of the world, then knowing him makes all the difference. 
Let me ask you, who is Jesus? It is the most important question of life. The disciple John, the apostle, who was an eyewitness of Jesus, he tells us in verse 14 that we have seen and we have testified that he is the savior of the world. You see, the Father has sent him to save us from our sins. How do you know that you abide in God? How do you know that you have union with Christ? How do you know that there's nothing in the world that can separate you from his love? That you remain in fellowship with him? It's your confession of the only human being who walked on this earth without sin and who died in our place on that cross. You see, he who knew no sin became sin so that we can become the very righteousness of God. This is good news, that we can be in a relationship with God and with each other. This is the glorious news of the gospel. The person of Jesus empowers us with confidence to live on mission. See, God is calling us to go. He's calling us to tell the world about the Savior to help people know and consider and confess that Jesus is the savior of the world. See, Paul, in the 10th chapter of Romans, he tells us if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and that you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you will be saved. And then in Romans 10, verse 14 and 15, he says this, how then would they call on him whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Will you go? Will you take your, your, your beautiful feet and share the good news of Jesus Christ? Will you trust in your confession of who Jesus is? Will you rejoice in the God of your salvation? You see, not only do we know that we abide in God because of our confession, but we also have received the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's point two, the Holy Spirit. Take a look at verse 13. The Bible says, by this we know that we abide in him and that he in us because he has given us his spirits. How do we know we belong to God and that God belongs to us? the gift of the Spirit, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, the third person of the Trinity. Yes, the Holy Spirit is a person. He is not an it. The Spirit of God is not like the force from Star Wars. He's not a big ball of energy that we can manipulate through our worship, through our singing, through our chanting. That's not the Holy Spirit. You don't tap someone and they catch the Holy Spirit. That does not happen. The Holy Spirit is a person. He has an intellect. He feels deep emotion. He shares in the very mission of God. He loves deeply. He grieves deeply. He has all the same attributes as the Son and as the Father. Because he is God. He is the very presence of God with us, in us, upon us. He's the reason we can hold on to the promises that God is always with us to the end of the age. You see, if you are a true confessor of who Jesus is, guess what you receive? 
the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God indwells you. The Spirit lives in every Christian. The Spirit changes our hearts and our minds. The Spirit inside of a believer, he does not come and go, he does not leave. He stays, he's constant. He's God's very own presence with us for eternity. He doesn't grow bigger or grow smaller. Do you believe that? Is this good news to you, Christian? That you have the spirit of God inside of you? Because of your confession of who Jesus is, you have divine power from above. You did nothing to earn. You see how the father has sent us his son, but he has also sent us another helper. Don't we have a giving God? He gives on top of giving. What gift of grace is Jesus, our Redeemer, and also the Spirit of God? Before we can confess that Jesus is Lord, the Spirit convicts us of our sin and he leads us to repentance and faith. The Spirit regenerates the very heart of man, causing us to go from death to life. From dead to alive, to being lost, to being found. The Spirit is our seal, marking us as belonging to God. I know our kids in here, you guys remember the, the movie Toy Story? Toy Story, all the toys. If, if they doubted who they belonged to or who loved them, what did they have to do? They just had to look at the bottom of their foot, right? Andy. We belong to Andy. Andy loves us. We are here for Andy. Christian, looking at the bottom of your foot would do you no good. <laughs> but listen, but listen. Looking to Jesus Christ and what he has done for you on that cross will make all the difference. Amen. Who do you belong to? Jesus. Who are we here for? Jesus. Who are we on mission for? Jesus, by looking to your Savior and his love for you, what he did for you at the cross, looking back to when you first understood the gospel, when you first made that confession of faith and who he is and what he's done for you. You see, when the Spirit convicts you and dwells you, he is the assurance of our union with Christ that you abide in God. This is vital, church. This is vital because before God sends his people on mission, he reassures them that the power does not belong to us, but to him. Before God told the disciples to go and make disciples, he told them to go and wait. Go and wait in Jerusalem and wait for the coming spirit. We need the spirit, don't we? Because we are so easily prone to depend upon our own power instead of relying on the supernatural power of God. You see, as human beings, we're tempted to take things in our own hands instead of trusting in the very hands of God. The truth is, apart from the Holy Spirit's intervention, we can do nothing. We are powerless to complete the task that God commands. We would be more dependent upon our own strategies instead of the person and work of Jesus Christ, which is finished. Did you know we are in a mission that has already been done? 
Jesus is seated on his throne. He is Lord of lords and king of kings. Doesn't that give you confidence, church, that we can go and be sent out on a mission that is complete? That we get to share the wonderful news of Jesus Christ. That we can delight in him as he delighted in us. See, how does God build his church? It's by using empty vessels like us. He fills us and shows us that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Brothers and sisters, let us never be confused of where our strength and our help comes from. You see how else we can know that we abide in God? It's by the love of God, point three. Take a look at verse 16. The Bible says, so we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. You see, it is God's love that has sent us the Savior. It is God's love that poured out his spirit. It's knowing and believing God's love that gives us the assurance that we abide in God. Take a look at how John puts it in verse 10. And this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he hath loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. The word propitiation is aware, it's rare, but it's powerful. It's a powerful word. It means to be satisfied. You see, the sin debt that we owe God is perfectly satisfied because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. That's our sin debt. That's the bad news. All of us here, we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the cost for that sin is death. You see, Jesus was punished in order that we wouldn't have to be. He took our debt to set us free. See, there's no greater love than when someone lays down his life for his friends. New Testament scholar John Stout, he said this, there can be no forgiveness without the satisfying of God's righteous wrath. See, this is the kind of love that we have in God. You see, in in God's cosmic courtroom, God is the judge, and we are all on trial, and Satan is the persecuting attorney, he's the accuser, he's accusing us of our sin, and everything is legitimate, right? It's true. We all have fallen short. You see, who in the world could ever be placed on trial as innocent? Who, which one of us is innocent? Not one. Not one. You see, we all have fallen short. See, how can we escape the judgment of a holy and righteous God? His son enters the courtroom. Jesus Christ, the one who never sinned. The only innocent human being who ever walked in this, the face on this earth. He acknowledges the accusation Satan makes against us. And he offers himself in our place to take the punishment that we deserve. He suffered our penalty in the place as our savior. You see, because of his sacrifice, we cannot be tried for a case that no longer exists. It is no longer in the court docket. Our record has been expunged. His grace not only offers a pardon, it sets us free. It gives us a clean slate. As the crime was never committed, 
You see, when we receive Christ's sacrifice on our behalf, the just penalty of our sin has been satisfied. And we are made right with God. Hallelujah. Isn't that good news? See, the Bible tells us that God is love. Why would God do that? It's because of who he is. You see, God doesn't just have love. He doesn't just love sometimes. He doesn't just choose to love instead of not loving. Everything God does is loving. Even his punishments and his judgments. Do you believe that? You see, the Trinity, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, existed throughout all eternity in perfect love with one another. See, our God is love. He decided to share his love with us through his son. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were enemies of God, Christ died for us. Jesus was hung for our redemption. We did nothing to deserve it, but God has freely given us all things in his son, Jesus Christ. Church, how much more evidence do we need to be madly in love with God? Do you need to see the Father? Do you guys remember Philip? He asked Jesus, show us the Father and it will be enough. Jesus responded, haven't I been with you for three years, for all this time, and you still don't know? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. The Father and Jesus are one. Jesus has union with the Father. Christian, church, you have union with Christ because of your true confession and because you have the Holy Spirit. And you have come to know and to believe the love of God. The love that would be our confidence on the day of judgment. Are you scared to go to heaven? I hope not. We have confidence before holy God because of what Jesus did. Perfect love casts out fear. You, you feel that assurance? Do you believe it? That you can stand before a holy God, perfect and righteous, because Jesus took your sin and he exchanged it for his righteousness. God is madly in love with you, church. You see, if you're here this morning, you're not a Christian. What are you placing your hope in in the day of judgment? On the last day? See, if you're hoping that your good would outweigh your bad somehow, trust me, it, is, it would never be enough. If you're not perfect, you cannot stand before God standing upon your own righteousness. You cannot save yourself from the wrath of God. See, the good news is that God has sent the Savior of the world, and his name is Jesus Christ. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You can have confidence on the last day today 
You can go home with confidence knowing that you are loved by God and that Jesus paid your debt if you turn from your sin and you put your trust in Jesus Christ. You will abide in God both now and forever. See, my Christian friends, the world needs to hear the message of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation to all who believe. Will you go and share with a world that's in desperate need of it? Lastly, we know that we abide in Christ by our love for others. Take a look at verse 19. Actually, read it with me. We love because he first loved us. There it is. You memorize the verse. And what a sweet verse it is. This is what we learn from verse 19. We learn three things. God's love precedes our love. God's love empowers our love. And that God's love is being perfected in us. What do I mean by God's love precedes our love? It's simply, God loved you first. Before you could choose to love him or hate him, God loved you. Before, he, before you chose him, God loves you. When you were unlovable and unloving, God loved you. When you were unimpressive and condemned to die, God loved you. God has always loved you first. How do we know that we abide in God and that God won't stop loving you? Because his love has no beginning. God is love. The Trinity has always existed in perfect love. And he's sharing that love with you. His love for you will never run dry. See, God's love also empowers our love. It ignites our love. If God didn't love us first, we couldn't love him back or love one another. God's love is what gives us the ability to love. I don't care what your neighbor said. Love is not love. See, love has to have an object. Love has to have some substance. God is love. We cannot make up what love is. We cannot use our own intellect to figure out what love is. The Bible has told us clearly what love is. It is God. The love that we give to God is the overflow of his love for us. Take a look back at verse 17. It says, by this, love is perfected. You see that the love of God grows. It grows when it's expressed in us. We fall short when we think that God's love is like an on and off switch. It's like uh, picking a rose and saying, uh, he loves me, he loves me not. We fall short when we think of love that way. God's love is active. It's alive in us. It's growing and it's being made complete. How is it doing that? See, John is not saying that God is loving you more and more when you love others. He's not saying that. He is saying that when you express God's love more, you are actively, when you're actively loving others, you're expressing God's love. You are growing in his love. When you go out on mission and when you decide to love someone and love your neighbor, you are growing in the very love of God. 
You see, the Holy Spirit is at work making you more like Jesus as we go and we love others, as we're sent out on mission. See, what would cause someone to be sent out on a mission? You see, what would cause someone to leave what is familiar to go to a place that's unfamiliar? Is it not the love of God? Is it not our union with Christ? Is it not the truth that we abide in God and God abides in us? You see, it's, it's that love that is expressed in and through us when we take those steps of obedience to love others, to go out and to love the world. Take a look at the end of verse 17. It says, as he is, so also are we in this world. You see, Jesus' mission on this earth is now our mission. No, we're not the savior of the world, but we have come to know and to testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the savior of the world. You see, brothers and sisters, we are called to testify, to be his witnesses, to tell the world, to be a billboard pointing to Jesus. See, through the cross, Jesus emptied himself out in love. You see, the call to be sent is how we are like Christ in this world. By emptying ourselves, by picking up our crosses, by following him, by being obedient to the call, to go out and to love those who are in desperate need of love, who are in desperate need of knowing Jesus. Just like one of Pastor Mark's favorite movies, The Lord of the Rings, right? You have Frodo, you have Sam. These two hobbits, they're unimpressive. They lack strength and skill. And they are called to somehow defeat the forces of evil and to rescue the world. They have no amazing powers, but guess what they do have? They have character. That can be described as bold and confident. You see, it's their selflessness that places them right in the center of that drama. The same is true for you, Christian. When it comes to building God's kingdom and being his faithful witnesses, God chooses the lowly things of the world to shame the wise. This is just like Frodo and Sam, we find ourselves facing the greatest adventure of our lives, being sent out to love, to love the unlovable with the very same love that we have received from the Father. But also like Sam and Frodo, we must leave the very comforts and, and safeties of what is familiar to, to love the unfamiliar. By the love of God, the power of his spirit, we can go and let go of what hinders us. And we can say, Lord, send me. Here I am, send me. Because we have confidence in our eternal destiny, we can say, God, send me. Because we have tasted and seen that the Lord is good, and we can say, God, send me. Some of us will serve right where we are. Yes, working the nine to five is a mission. It's the work of God. See, God wants to use your vocation, your, your resources, your abilities, and your skills. Will you give it to him? Will you give it to him? He will use it and he can use it. Our possessions, our, our money, our time, our lives. Church, there is no second class Christians. You believe that? The missionaries are not the first class and then everyone else.
God wants to use all of us for his kingdom and for his goodness. I lose my mic. Who is God calling you to love? Do you truly believe that no, there's no one that's too far from the love of God? See, my family and I have been prayerfully considering packing up our bags and moving to Baltimore City to plant a church. The Lord has placed that desire in our hearts. And it's easy for us. It's so easy for us to be so concerned about our inadequacies or our weaknesses that we, uh, that we lose the confidence to go. We get it. Will you be committed to praying for us as the Lord prepares us, as we seek the Lord's will? See, where does God want to take his love in your life? See, the God of love has poured out his love in our hearts through his spirit. He has forgiven us of all of our sins. He has given us everything that we need for life and for godliness. Will you live as Jesus lived in this world? To love what Jesus loves and to treasure what he treasures? To be sent out by love, trusting and knowing that you abide in God and that God abides in you. Let's pray. Father God, we are so grateful. We are so thankful that you love us. We are so thankful for your love. That we did not love you first, but that you loved us. Thank you that you saved us. That we put our confession in who you are, Jesus, and what you have done for us. God, I pray that you would send us out on mission. That we will love the people right next to us. That we will care for them. That we will treasure them in our hearts. That we will point them towards you. God, I pray as we approach the table, the Lord's Supper, that you remind us of your love and your sacrifice. That you remind us that, that there is nothing in this earth that can separate us from your love. No sickness, not even death itself. God, I pray that your will be done and that your kingdom will come. And I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.